Yes, we do glorify your name in our praise. And Lord, I bring you glory through giving you my voice today. All that I am, I commit to you, Lord. And I thank you for divine utterance upon the word. And I thank you that these precious hearts are prepared to hear it and their ears are open to receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. You agree with that? Well, you can say amen as you are seated. Praise the Lord. Good looking group here this morning. And you know, we're going to hear from heaven. We already have. This has been a fun service. It's been a great service. Thank God for the worship. But we always give place to the word. Amen. And I have a word. You want to hear a word from God today? I've got, I'll tell you what my title is. My title is Stirred, Not Shaken. Stirred, but not shaken. You know, there's been some things that have been happening in our world lately. And you could be tempted to be shaken. We are truly living in a time that the Bible calls perilous times. It calls it a time of season. Even when many hearts, men's hearts will fail, fail them for fear because of the things that they see coming upon the earth. Have you heard about any wars lately? Any rumors of wars? What about little rocket man over there in North Korea? Korea. Korea. That guy is crazy. Anyway, just all of this kind of stuff. Earthquakes, hurricanes, floods, fires, shooting. Now I'm telling you, I'm not telling you anything that you don't already know, but I'm not saying these things. For us to get all depressed and say, oh, yeah, it's really terrible. It's really awful. I think what we ought to do, let's just all get up a load and go over to the Golden Gate Bridge and jump. No, that's not (laughs) what I'm encouraging us to do today. We're not going to center in on bad news. We're not going to talk about all these horrible things that are happening and just say, you know, I just don't know what in the world is going on. Let's just forget it. Let's just, you know, let's go jump off the bridge. No, we're going to move right along to good news. Because even though these things are happening in the world that can shake people to their core. I want to tell you that you and I belong to a kingdom that is unshakable. Let's look into the word today. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12 verse 28. And it says this, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, then read that part with me, which cannot be shaken. Woo, that's up to shout about right there. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That, that verse is loaded. How many of you are in the kingdom? When I say that, you know what kind of kingdom I'm talking about. You're in the kingdom of God. You've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. You have planted yourself on the foundation of the word of the living God. Then that means you are in a kingdom which cannot be shaken. When all around us in sinking sand on Christ, the solid rock, I'm going to stand. Amen. 
And then the very next verse, I didn't tell them up there, but you can pull up verse 29. I'll quote it for you. For our God is a consuming fire. So what does that tell me? That tells me that my God that is unstoppable, my God that is unshakable when things rise up of the enemy, when crazy dictators and all this stuff begin to rise up, if God's got to, he'll just consume them with fire. Hallelujah. Because his kingdom is the kingdom that's going to stand the test of time. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of God will never pass away. Things are going to come. Things are going to happen. But you and I are founded on the rock that won't roll. Hallelujah. Last week when pastor was preaching that awesome message, and if you didn't listen to last week, you need to. Jesus is our rock. Come back tonight and hear some more of that. Jesus is our rock. And when he was preaching that, these things began to roll around in my heart. Oh, yes, he is. He's my rock. Glory be to God. And when all around me is shaken, I don't have to be shaken. Listen, to say this, to say that I'm unshaken is another way of saying I'm secure. I'm established. I'm settled. Are you settled? Woo! Are you secure? Not secure in your 401k, not secure in your job, even not secure. Maybe, you know, in relationships, they can come, they can go. Thank God we believe for strong relationships. But our security is in Him. We're settled in Him. Hallelujah. Are you thankful that the old account was settled long ago? How many believers do we have in the house today? You remember that old hymn, and it's not just an old hymn, but it says the old account was settled long ago, down on my knees when I called upon him. Hallelujah. My past was erased. Jesus doesn't remember our past sins. He threw them into the sea of forgetfulness. It's a settled fact. When you call on the name of the Lord, you're washed in the blood of the Lamb and you become a brand new creation. That's a good fact to have settled and established in our hearts. Glory to God to know I'm in that kingdom and the kingdom is in me. Another definition of settled is to stabilize, to stabilize. You know, you can, we live in the Bay Area and we've had earthquakes here and there's been buildings that have been damaged. But if you look at them from the outside, oftentimes they look fine. There's not even any crack in the wall, but there's this big old yellow tape or something across the front of it. You can't go in and you might ask why it looks perfectly normal, safe. No, because the foundation is cracked. And unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians. They look like a Christian. They might talk like a Christian when they're in church. But if their foundation 
is not secure in the word and who they are in Christ Jesus, their foundation can be a big crack in it. And when there's a crack in your foundation, it means you're not stable. You can be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You can be unsettled. You can be shaken. But everybody say, that's not me. Uh, The old account was settled. And I'm settled. And I'm established in the kingdom of God. Y'all may have grown up in Sunday school like I did and sang these songs that came out of this passage. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 26. It gives us two different accounts here of houses that had different foundations. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a man whose house is built on what? The rock. Then the next verse tells us what's going to happen here. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? For it was founded on what? But then the next verse describes another kind of a house. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So if you've learned this song in Sunday school, I might sing it or I might just tell you. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Anybody else know that? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rains came tumbling down. What happened? The rains came down and the floods came up. You can keep singing it, but you get the, you get the message, right? The rains came down and the floods came up. And what happened to his house? It stood fast. Fast or firm? I don't remember what the firm stood firm. Why? Because it's built on the rock. Then the next, the next chorus, the next verse, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. That's not a good idea. Sand is sifting, shifting, and changing, and it moves around. You can tell at the beach, the same sand's not going to be there tomorrow. If the tide comes in, that sand's gone. So the man that built his house on the sand, what happened to his house? It went splat. This is telling us it was the same rain, the same wind. It could have even been the same building materials except for the foundation. Could have been the same siding. Could have been the same roof. Could have been the same door. What is the difference in this parable? The foundation. And the foundation is what will cause our house to stand when the rains come down. Anybody ever experienced some storms in your life? The wind howling and all of this kind of stuff. We've had a lot of wind around here and the windows might rattle. But if your house has got a good firm foundation... That gust of wind's not going to blow it down. 
And it's the same spiritually. You got the right foundation. You're going to stand. It's comparing rock to sand. Which one are you built on? I believe it. We're built on the rock. The rock of our foundation. And you know what that rock is? It's Jesus. But it's also his word. Bible says in Psalms 119 in verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is what? Your word is settled. We're talking about being settled. Being stable in unstable times. The word is a settling factor. What does that mean? That means if the word says it, I take it and I believe it. And it's going to hold me firm. It's going to hold me steady. Doesn't the Bible say that the word of God, it won't. It will not return unto him void. Not just the word that he spoke when he created the whole universe. When he created us, he spoke words. His word spoke us into existence. It spoke our world into existence. But with our words, we can frame our world. With the words of our mouth. That's why it's so important to speak the word. This scripture says your word is forever settled in heaven. That ought to be our attitude. We ought to say if the Bible says it, that settles it for me. We ought to be like Mary and say I'm going to hide these words. That he spoke unto me. Those words that he spoke. She said I'm going to ponder upon these things. I'm going to hide them in my heart. The psalmist said. I have hidden your word in my heart. That I might not sin. Against thee. We let the word be. The establishing. The deciding factor. In our lives. Amen. And the word you know. It's filled with wisdom. It's filled with answers, and that in itself will bring stability. I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. Woo! And the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Wisdom. And knowledge, not what we gain out here. It's good to have knowledge about your career and and all of these things and and to, to study those deals. But this is talking about not earthly, sensual wisdom. It's talking about that wisdom from above. If any of you lack wisdom, well, who are we supposed to ask? Ask of him. Ask of God. And he'll give it to you liberally. And that wisdom and that knowledge will be the stability of your times. It will be a firm foundation. 
Now let's look at that passage out of the message translation. If they can pull that up. Oh, I like this. God keeps your days. What? Read this. Read this with me. Stable, secure, salvation, wisdom, and knowledge in what? Surplus. Best of all, Zion's treasure, fear of the Lord. One translation of this passage, and we do know this from studying out the word of God. It's not talking about being afraid of God. It's talking about a reverential awe, worship, honor unto him, the most high God. And I like how it says this here, that kind of reverential worship unto him. It's a treasure. It's a treasure to him. Bible says over in Revelation that he stores up our prayers and even our tears in vials in heaven. They're precious to him. But then this passage is telling us, if you will worship me, if you will reverence me above all else, if you will honor me, give me the place due do to me in your heart. Give me first place. Give me your awe. It's a treasure unto me. Has someone ever given you a gift or a No, you have given someone a gift. And I love this. You give somebody a gift. Maybe it's a piece of jewelry. I don't know. Something real precious to you. And they take it and they say, Oh, I'll cherish it. Always. What's that do to your heart? Your heart just melts and you're like, oh, wow. Wow. You'll cherish it always. This verse is saying you want to give something to your father. Give him worship. Give him reverence. Give him honor. And he says, I'll treasure it. I'll treasure it. That's why the Bible says we're to worship him. Not out of our head, but out of our spirit. They that worship me. Worship me in spirit and in truth. When he can find people that will worship him like that. He's like, whoa, I treasure that. Let's get down there right now. Let's show ourselves strong in their behalf. Like Pastor was talking about, let's honor them because they're honoring me. Let's honor them with our glory, with our manifest presence. Hallelujah. You know who else wants to be worshipped, wants to be in awe of? It's the devil. That's why all this stuff that's going on in the world, he wants people to magnify him. Exalt him. Ooh, big bad devil. Ooh, he is so powerful. Look what he did over there. No Christian would just say, oh, devil, we worship you. They wouldn't do that on purpose. But he deceives believers into getting them to be in awe of him. Talking more about what he's doing instead of what God is doing. They get their praise mixed up 
And they start, ah, look at the big old devil. Ooh, yeah, but little bitty God over here, maybe he can take care of this. No. Our spiritual father, Brother Hagen, one time he was holding a meeting in Southern California and this flu epidemic broke out and, you know, the people were in the church were getting sick and there weren't very many in attendance. So after one morning meeting, the pastor came up to Brother Hagen and he's all, I'm so sorry, you know, people aren't able to come, you know, this flu epidemic, this, that, and the other. And then he said, Brother Hagen, are you afraid you're going to get the flu? And Brother Hagen stepped back and he said, No, I don't mind telling you, I'll never have the flu. And this pastor, ooh, it startled him. And he kind of backed up and he whispered and he said, Brother Hagen, I'd never say that. Don't you know the devil will hear you? More reverence for the devil than Jesus, the healer. And Brother Hagen said, he's the very dude I'm saying it for. I'm not afraid of him. We don't have to be shaken in our boots over what the devil said or the devil did. We don't have to fear the flu. Bad news, terrorist attacks, something terrible happening to our family. Those are lies of the devil. And he tries to get you to buy into them. And how do you buy into them? First, you take that thought that he brings to your mind. Oh, oh, look what he did over there. Oh, he might try to do that with my kids. Ooh. Taking the thought and then doing what? Speaking it out. Don't take the thought. Don't take the bait. Don't give him any place. Don't glorify him. Neither give the devil any place. But instead, when these thoughts come and things are a storm may be showing up in your life, begin to declare, what did we say is settled forever? The word. This might be happening in the natural, but I'm on another foundation here. And I'm not going to speak what I'm seeing. I'm going to speak what I believe. Because what I believe is more real than these symptoms in my body. What I believe is more real than what's coming against my finances. What I believe is more real than this attack against my family. That's how you do it, folks. You rise up and you speak the word. You don't deny that the attack is coming. You don't deny that there's a problem. And if you're going through something, we never ever want to put that out there that you can't come and tell us and you can't come for agreement. We want you to come. We want you to call. We want to be your faith buddies. But speaking the problem and declaring what's going on won't fix it. And that is not the final report. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. I will declare no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I will speak. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will declare he always causes me to triumph. I am not the 
the tail. I'm the head. I am not the tail. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Woo! That's settling it right there. And then it's settling it by declaring the word of God. This is you and me. This description here in Psalms 112. We're going to look at verse 6 through 8 in the Amplified. Hallelujah. Anybody happy? This is what? This is us. He will not be moved forever. Be uncompromisingly righteous. Is that you? Are you born again? Then this is you. You're the upright. That's what righteousness is. We're in right standing with God. What's going to happen shall be in everlasting remembrance. Let's look at the verse 7. This is us. Read this with me. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firmly fixed, trusting, leaning on, and being confident in the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 8. His heart is... What are we talking about? Established and steady. He will not be afraid while he waits to see the desire established upon his adversaries. So when you are established in him and you are established and settled down that the word of God is true, you're going to be steady. But what else is going to happen? He's going to do something. He's going to establish something against your enemies. We're not ever praying for something bad to happen to people. But listen, folks, we're in covenant with a covenant keeping God. And he says every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, I will show to be in the wrong. Hallelujah. So when people attack you and say all manner of evil against you, do not try to retaliate in the natural. No, no, no. Flesh and blood are not your enemy. But rise up and declare, oh no, I'm established in righteousness. I'm a joint heir with him. They don't know what they're doing. They're not just touching me. They're touching God's anointed. So in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm asking you to turn this around. Woo! We have one that fights our battles for us. In some cases, what you have to do is stand still. Stand still. What are we talking about? Be steady. Be secure. Be stable in who you are in Christ. Say, okay, Lord, you're not directing me to say anything here, so I'm going to stand still, and I'm going to see the salvation of the Lord. This battle is not mine. This battle is yours. And you're going to take care of these adversaries. The best way to take care of them is if they'd repent and get in the family of God, too. We don't tell them how. We don't say, God, get them. God kill their cat, let their dog run away. No. We just say, Lord. 
Woo! Thank you that I'm established in you and you're fighting this battle for me. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I don't know if we're going to get very far today. But anyway, that's the part about not being shaken. Now, in the next time, a little time that we have left, we're going to talk about being stirred. Woo! Because we've been talking a lot about the Word of God and the promises of God. And I know this is a word bunch. You've got the word in your heart. But even these things, when we have heard them, you cannot just hear the word of God one time. Bible says that we got to be hearers and not hearers only. We got to keep hearing the word of God. And then we have to keep this word stirred up on the inside of us. The Apostle Paul, he wrote some letters to Timothy. Timothy was his son in the faith. And Paul was writing to him from prison. And it's obvious that Timothy was going through some things. So the Apostle Paul over in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And we'll look at verse 2. He's writing this letter to Timothy. And he says, Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, peace, from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience. That without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Verse 4. Greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in thee also. Let me give you just a quick little background here. Timothy, he came up under the ministry of Paul. Most likely he was saved under his ministry. But now Paul is older. And he is in prison. And there are some new young whippersnappers that have risen on the scene. And they're saying things like, well, you know, Paul, good old Paul, good old Paul, great guy, but he's the old wave. Great guy, but now he's in prison. And we got a new message, Timothy. We got something better. We got further revelation. And so this is tormenting Timothy. That's why it says there in verse 4, he's crying. <laughs> he's boo-hooing. He's been a baby because he's feeling torn. And Paul heard about it. And he's writing to him. And he's saying, Timothy, stick with what you have been taught. He's telling Timothy, call to remembrance what brought you into the kingdom of God. Call to remembrance what got you where you're at today. Call to remembrance the things that cause you to walk in victory. And then it says here, remembrance, the unfeigned faith. That word unfeigned means genuine. And I like that Paul gave a shout out. He gave a shout out to his Gmaw, 
to Lois and his mom, Eunice. Yay for the women of God. They must have been powerful and influential women in his life. And Paul is saying, now listen, Timothy, I know that you were birthed in the faith message. And I know that spirit of faith that's in you. It was in your grandmother. It was in your mother. And it was stirred up when I laid hands on you at your ordination. Now, Timothy, don't be pulled and don't be moved by all this new doctrine. You know, there's people today, and I'm not going to meddle, but there are people today that say, ah, word of faith movement, that's over Word of faith is not a movement. It's the gospel which we preach. It's a faith message. How in the world did you get saved? You got saved by faith. How do you get healed? By faith. Claiming the promises of God. People say, I don't want to hear about faith. I want to hear about how to get rich, how to get blessed. You ain't going to get blessed if you don't have a foundation of faith. It's impossible to please God without it. It's not a movement. It's the word. And that's what was going on in that day. Same crazy spirits surface all the time. People were trying to pull Timothy off his foundation. Teaching in the word. And Paul, he was not making it about him. But he was making this message to Timothy about staying true to his call. About sticking with what he knew as the truth and preaching the gospel, even if sometimes it's not popular. A few verses down, he goes into, don't be ashamed. Sometimes we can say, ah, You know, we don't want to say that because that's not popular right now. The Word of God is not a popularity contest. It's something that we live by and will cause us to walk in constant victory. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. So then Paul continues in verse 6, talking to Timothy. That is why I would remind you... To stir up, rekindle the embers, fan the flame of, keep burning. Here it is again. That gracious gift of God. Ooh, I like that. That inner fire that is in you by the means of laying on of my hands. There was an impartation that came into you, Timothy. When I laid hands on you, there was a fire that was lit on the inside of you. And you listening to all this stuff and being pulled by all these different people, it's causing that inner fire to go out. And you need to rekindle the embers. You need to fan the flame. He said you got the right ingredients on the inside of you. You can have all the right ingredients to make delicious chocolate chip cookies. 
I've done it probably thousands of times. But I can stare at all those ingredients sitting there in my cabinet. But if I never take them and put them all together and stir them up, we're never going to have any delicious chocolate chip cookies. So what he is saying to Timothy, you've got the right stuff. You got the word on the inside of you. You got the spirit of faith. And I'm saying it to you. You got the right stuff on the inside of you. Some of you have been sitting in this church for years. You've heard hundreds of messages. You can quote scriptures backwards and forwards and upside down and all around. But is it stirring on the inside? Is it stirring on the inside? Listen to these definitions of stirred. To call forth, to arouse, to activity, to disturb the quiet. Ooh, I like that one. I know I'm loud today, but you know what? I'm disturbing the quiet. There is a disturbance in the force of the sleepy saints and you're being awakened how many of you are being awakened you're being stirred on the inside of you something that general booth he was the founder of salvation army he said this the tendency of fire is to go out watch the fire on the altar of your heart Our constant danger is to cool off spiritually, to lose our fervor, to slow down in zeal. Everybody lift your hands and say this. Not me. I'm staying stirred. Say, I'm stirred up now. I'm fanning the flame. You might say, but I know that my flame has gotten dim. There's nothing on the inside of me but a tiny little ember. Listen to the definition of ember. A piece of wood smoldering in the ashes. The last hope of fire being reignited. I will forever have this in my memory of my dad, my farmer dad, working outside in the winter and it was cold. And maybe we were all gone or something and he had built a fire in the morning and he'd come in in the evening and the fire is out. And before he just starts rebuilding the fire, he'd look at that pile of ashes, dig around in there. And if there was a little ember, you know what he would do? He'd get down real close. And he start going. Blowing on that ember. Then he'd get this little thing. I don't know what it was called. Like this little thing that you like this. And it pump air out. Fan the flame. Blow on the ember. And you know what? In just a little while, you see a flame. Then you just get a little kindling, and the next thing you know, you got a bonfire. Just like my daddy would blow on those embers. I believe the Holy Spirit is in this place today. And he's blowing on some embers in some hearts. 
And he's saying, let me rekindle you. Let me fan that flame. There is a cause. There's a cause for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I know some in here are not filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'd say, well, I'm not. And I don't really want to speak in tongues. That's your choice. But I would just say this to you. Why would you not want the Holy Ghost and fire? Fire, fire, fire. John the Baptist said that I'm indeed baptizing you with water. But one that's mightier than I coming after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire, fire, fire. Hallelujah. Going to set you ablaze. Brother Hagen again, our spiritual father, in a vision from the Lord Jesus, head of the church. I think those are pretty good credentials. I respect them both highly. Jesus said this to him. My will under the new covenant is that all believers would be filled with the Holy Ghost. Why? So we'll have that power. Power for service. My prayer today. Set us ablaze, O Lord. Set us on fire, afresh and anew. Where's this fire come from? God, we read it. Our God is a consuming fire. Wesley Duell said this, God created our spirits flammable. We are spiritually combustible. Our nature is created to be ablaze by the Spirit. We are spiritually most blessed, most victorious, and most usable when we are ablaze. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Everybody stand. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. If you do pray in the Holy Ghost, I want you to begin to do so. It's 1228. We got, you know, I got started a little bit later because I knew we needed to have a little time here. But who'll give me five or ten more minutes? Not me, the Lord. You know, there's no magic number that says we have to leave at 1230. So just keep your hearts engaged just for a few minutes. Oh, Praying in the Holy Ghost right now. Oh, stirring ourselves up. Stirring ourselves up. We stir up a We rekindle any embers. We fan the flame here in Namasigita. Not just in our individual lives, but in the life of our church. Now, before we have our altar call for what I saw in my heart, I just want to ask, maybe you're here 
you're not yet born again. Or perhaps you are already a believer. But you have not yet been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you just have this hunger on the inside of you. You love Jesus with all of your heart. But when we're talking about this fire and this passion that should be burning inside, you're like, I don't, I don't have that. You can. You can. And you should because it's available. So if you're here today and either you want to get things right with the Lord, born again, return to Him, or you're already a believer and you want to receive the Holy Spirit.